Hey, Grace Church, we're glad you're here today. Today is the day we traditionally honor mothers, and we really want to do that. If you're a mom, we just want to say how much we love you and appreciate you, and you're special. But in, in addition to that, we also want to honor all women, because the bottom line is that the church would not be the church uh, historically or currently without women being invested and powerful people working and influencing and leading the local New Testament church. And so we want to say thanks to you. Think of a woman in your life that God has used to lead you into a deeper walk with Jesus. Just take a moment. Think about this. Jesus, when he rose from the dead, one of the first people he appeared to was Mary of Magdala. And uh, she had an amazing influence and impact upon the people around her. And there's probably somebody in your life that has influenced and impacted you. So just think about that for just a minute. And you want want to take a, a, a minute or so and just jot him a note or send him a text or something. That would be awesome if you could do that. So uh, we're right in the middle of the book of Philippians. So let's pray and ask the Lord to really work inside of our services today. So uh, let's pray together. Father, thank you, thank you, thank you, God, for what you're going to accomplish today. And I pray, God, that you would just anoint our time. I pray, God, that uh, your spirit would just lead and direct. And, and Lord God, thank you for just the privilege we have to have your Bible, the, the Word of God to open and to look at and to see what your will is for our life. And I pray, God, today earnestly that your spirit, Father, would lead and, and direct this particular message. And I pray for an anointing. And uh, I just want you to know, God, that I can't do this without you. So I pray that you would anoint my words and allow me to speak just exactly what you would have me to say. And I pray these things in Jesus' holy and powerful and awesome name. Amen. So today we come to the book of Philippians. And, and I just want to make a couple comments before we actually get into the text we're going to deal with today. This is the last message in the book of Philippians. And when we started, I had no idea, you know, the, 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 the scheme and the flow of things. Uh, until I actually put it down on paper, and then I realized that today would be Mother's Day, and I would be teaching on the concept of generosity on Mother's Day. And uh, then I thought, you know, God is God is sovereign, God is powerful, because I can't think of anyone more generous than moms. I mean, they are the most generous people on the planet, giving of themselves every day uh, to their young ones and to their families. And so I just think this is a providence of God thing. And it is amazing. And actually, I want to say something before I actually get into the text today. Uh, last week, uh, I was teaching on the idea of contentment and uh, powerful thoughts uh, from the Bible, from the New Testament, about how you and I are supposed to be content. And I, I quoted a couple times, the Lord, you know, blessed be the Lord, the Lord gives, the Lord, the Lord takes away. And uh, so on Monday, I went to get gas and uh, got back in my truck after I got gas and Turned the engine over, and uh, and I had a problem. And twenty four hundred dollars later, that problem got fixed. And I and I just went home and I thought, you know, God has such an amazing sense of humor, you know. So I had to say, "Blessed be the name of the Lord." The Lord gives, the Lord takes away. And uh, I just I just think that uh, God is God God is good, and and I am grateful. I am grateful that I had the money to fix it, and, and I'm back on the road today, but, and I'm learning, just like you are, I'm learning the process of being content even when we have losses in life. So today, we come to a powerful, powerful section of Scripture, and we're going to talk about the concept of generosity and how it affects our life and how important it is to God for you and I to really be the most generous people on the planet. So we're going to look at Philippians chapter 4, verses 18 and 19. And let me just read it to you because I, 
I think it's so good. And I want, you to rem- I want to remind you that Paul is writing this particular passage of Scripture from prison. That's where he's at. So he says, at the moment, I have all I need and more. I am generously supplied with the gifts you sent me with Epaphroditus. They are a sweet-smelling sacrifice that is acceptable and pleasing to God. And this same God who takes care of me will supply all of your needs from his glorious riches, which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. So today, we're going to talk about the idea of what it means to invest with God, how we do that, and what the dividends are. And I'm just excited to bring this to you. To become an investor with God, there is something that you have to overcome. And the truth is, is that it's the idea of greed. And here's what the problem is. You and I are raised in a culture where greed is exalted, where they don't call it greed because that's kind of a bad word. But the, but the reality is, is that we were taught from very, a very small age that this is mine and you can't have it. And we've practiced that most of our lives. And so for you and I to become generous, we have to overcome this idea of greed. And so I want to ask you a question. I want to start with this question. How much money does a person have to have to become greedy? How much money do you have to have to become greedy? And so what I want to say about that is greed is not a matter of how much you have. You can be poor and greedy or you can be rich and greedy. That's not the issue. The issue is your heart. That's the issue. The issue is your heart. And I think that's so important to understand. Greed happens when you become lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. Let me say that to you one more time because you don't want to miss that. Greed happens in my life when I become more of a, of a more concerned about what's in it for me, what I have. It, it happens when I become a lover of pleasure more than a lover of God. Many people in our culture have finally, finally realized that money cannot buy them happiness. We're beginning to realize that, and so we just get our credit cards out and use them now. So the question that I want to propose to you today is, why are people overcome with greed? Why, are that, why is that true? And how, what are the answers? How do, I, how do I get out of it? So let me just simply get to the point, and, I, and I, I love getting right to the point, so let me just say it to you. We are greedy because we are empty. Empty people are greedy people. Full people are not greedy. Paul, writing from prison, says, at the moment, I have all that I need and more. He has everything that he needs. He says, this is what he's saying. Listen to it very carefully. He's saying, I'm full. I am full. Did Paul have everything that he wanted? The the answer is absolutely not. The truth is he had his needs taken care of, but his heart was, was beaming. His heart was full of everything it needed. So here's my premise. When a person is filled with God, they will always be generous. When a person is filled with God, they will always be generous. This has nothing to do with how much or how little you and I have. It has to do with my relationship one-on-one with God. It it has to do with how full I am of God. Or, let let me put it to you another way, how full I am of myself. And you can't have those two things at the same time. You either have to have God or yourself. And so the, the goal of the, of the believer is to empty yourself of your agenda, take up your cross, and daily follow after him. So that brings us to 2 Corinthians chapter number 8, verse 1. And this is what it says. I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, what God in his kindness has done through the churches at Macedonia. Now watch this. Don't miss it. 
They are being tested by many troubles. And they are very poor, but they are also filled with with abundant joy, which has overflowed in rich generosity. They were they were poor. Paul says here, they were very poor. Not just poor, they were very poor. And yet, he says that they were they responded to his need with overabundant generosity. So why did they do this? Why did these why did these poor folk end up giving so much to the apostle Paul who was in prison? The answer to that question is simply this. I've already answered it for you. Is that these poor believers were filled with God. They were filled with God. So several years ago, I had the great privilege of, of traveling to the Philippines. I did a Bible conference there for pastors and, and spoke in a lot of different churches. And it was a, it was a beautiful experience. I stayed with a, a friend of mine, a missionary that lives there in the Philippines. And uh, I was assigned to go to a church in downtown Manila on one particular occasion. It was Sunday night. And uh, the, the missionary that I was staying with said, listen, uh, whatever you do, if he invites you to dinner, go with him, the pastor, go with him. And if he wants to pay the bill, if he offers to pay, I want you to just say yes, just say yes. And so I thought that that's kind of strange. And so uh, they took me downtown Manila and uh, I was dropped off and walked down the street, found the church and found the pastor and went and and uh, we had this amazing service. It was, it was great. And I gave an invitation for people to receive Christ. And tons of people came to the altar that night and received Jesus. And, and uh, so I was rejoicing. And so the pastor came up to me afterwards and said, Hey, would you like to go to dinner with my family and me? And I go, Oh, yeah, that'd be great. So uh, we went off. I went in his car with him. And, and uh, he, uh, we went to this pizza place. And we had a great time of rejoicing. He was telling me about his life and how he was called into ministry. And, and, uh, and we were sitting there, and the, it was time to leave, and the bill came. And, and they handed it to me. And so I was just obeying. I, so I, I knew what I was supposed to do. So the pastor said, uh, could I pay for that? And so I handed him the bill. But having passed, you know, passing it to him, I glanced down, and I saw that it was $28. And I thought to myself, well, that's pretty reasonable. Gosh, I don't know that I could eat for that much in the States. That's a, that's a pretty reasonable deal for him. And so I went on my merry way thinking what a joyous thing that was. And, and I got back to the missionary's home that evening. And he said, hey, what happened? And I told him, and hey, did you let him pay for dinner? And I said, yes, I did. And it was a, you know, it was kind of a, a God moment. And he said, well, let me, let me tell you something. Uh, that pastor makes $50 a month. And he spent $28 on you. And I was stunned. And he said, you know what? And God will provide. The pastor said, and God will provide for his needs. But I just wanted you to have a context of how generous the people here are in the Philippines with what they have. And uh, I was blown away by the fact that they were so filled with God. The generosity became the natural overflow of their lives. So let's you and me have an up-close and personal conversation about generosity because I believe that if people who have nothing can learn to do it, I believe that you and I can learn it as well. So let's talk about generosity. First and foremost, my generosity is a partnership with God. That's what I want you to hear me say. My generosity is a partnership with God. Chapter 4, verse 14 says, Even so, you have done well, 
to share with me in my present difficulty. Paul says to these, this, this church in Macedonia, you've done well in sharing with me. And I want you to notice the word share there. The word share comes from a Greek word from which we get the idea of fellowship. It is a very, very powerful word. It is a word that I think you and I need to understand. And, uh, and it has the idea of, of honestly, of, of just this, this joint connection that you and I have. This sense of, this sense of, of when you and I share something together, when we share a meal, it is a very powerful word. And I, and I hope you really get that word because it is an emotional bond between two people and it's a connection. And here's something fascinating. This, listen to this. Studies by a, by a generation of behavioral scientists show that material goods usually don't deliver lasting happiness. Listen to this carefully. This is so fascinating. But there is one way that money can buy happiness. There is. And that is simply this. What they discovered is, is that when you spend money, when you spend money on others and you enjoy that with them. In other words, you buy something for them. They, they enjoy it. You and, you and them enjoy, enjoy it together. There is something that happens that creates a lasting joy in both of your lives. That's the idea of fellowship. That's the idea of that word that Paul uses. Researchers call this the phenomenon of a buying experience. And what they mean by that is think, think of treating someone to a special meal or, or taking them to a ball game or to a concert or, or, or something like that. Dozens and dozens of studies show that these buying experiences bring us closer together with people. That's what the Bible said 2,000 years ago. There's this partnership, this emotional bond that's created when you and I share the load together, when you and I give, when you and I are generous with other people. And not only that, listen to this. This is even, this is greatly fascinating to me. Are you lonely here today? Are you lonely? I know that some of you have lost jobs and you've been isolated and, and maybe some of you have been sick with the virus. I, you know, many of stories have come back to us and, and we get it. We understand that. We are praying for you intently. But my question for you today is that are you lonely? Because if you are, listen to this. Elizabeth Dunn and Michael Norton, a pair of researchers who authored a book called Happy Money, wrote about some research that they did, and this is what they concluded. The happiest people in the world are those who treated someone, who, who shared in someone else's burden financially. That's what their research shows. That's the idea, what Paul was saying several thousand years ago, of this shared fellowship. So, honestly, the cost of increasing your happiness may be as cheap as buying a cup of coffee for somebody, but sharing that with them. That's the idea behind the, the concept of fellowship. Then principle number two is my generosity should always be led by God. It shouldn't be just to do it because somebody else wants me to do it, or I feel guilty, or some pastor shames me. I'm just simply saying your generosity should always be led by God. That is so good. Uh, verse 15 says, as you know, you Philippians were the only ones who gave to me financially and uh, when, I, when I brought you the good news and then traveled on from Macedonia, no other churches did this. They were the only ones. And they did it because they were led by the Spirit to help Paul out. And I think that is so good because this is kind of a principle that I live by. What I like to do is I like to find out what God is doing and then join Him in His work. That's the kind of giving that I love 
and generosity that I love to be involved in is finding out what God is doing and ask God permission to join him. God, would it be okay if I joined you in this endeavor? I don't know if you've ever thought about generosity that way, but it puts it in a completely different category of knowing that I'm partnering with God. I'm being led by God's Spirit. And as the, and the happiest people that I know are people who are led by God's Spirit into the concept of generosity. The third principle is simply this. My generosity is an investment with God. My generosity is an investment with God. Verse 17 says, I don't say this because I want a gift from you. Rather, I want you to receive a reward for your kindness. The Philippians, by their generosity, opened an account with God. That's what happened. They were investing with God. And the question that I would ask you, and I don't mean to be in your face. Actually, I kind of do because I'm right there on your screen. But, but let, me, let me just say this to you. Let me ask you this question. How is your investing going? You, I, that investment was, I'm not asking about how's your retirement plan going. If it's like mine, mine's tanked. I'm going to have to probably work another 30 years just to catch up. But I'm not talking about that investment. I'm talking about how's your investment with God going? Because God never crashes his investments. We never lose money. We never lose ground when we're investing with God. That is so good. So how's your investment going? Second, First Timothy chapter 6, verse 18 says this. Tell them, this is Paul writing to Timothy, and he's, Timothy is supposed to instruct the churches, and this is what I'm supposed to tell you. God is telling me to tell you this. Tell them to use their money to do good. God says, use your money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. By doing this, they will be storing up their treasures as, good, as a good foundation for the future so that they may experience true life. Paul says true life is experienced when I invest with God. I open an account with God and I'm always looking for he and me as a partner. God and me are partners together in this life. And so we're looking, God and I are looking for ways that, you, that we can invest in people's lives and in, in the kingdom. And it's, it's an amazing journey. So whatever you're investing in, you'll be preoccupied with. So that's just how it works. You invest in someone, you, they become a priority in your life. Now here's the promise. Philippians 4.19 says, And this same God who takes care of me will supply all of your needs from his glorious riches, which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. Paul is saying really the same thing that Jesus said. Listen to the words of Jesus. This is what Jesus said. Give and you'll receive. Your gift will return to you in full. In full. Pressed down, shaken together to make room for more running over, poured out into your lap. The amount you give will be determined by the amount you get. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. That is such a powerful promise by the words of Jesus. He says, give and it will be given back. The fourth principle is, is my generosity is indeed an act of worship. Listen to these words. Verse 18, your generosity is a sweet-smelling sacrifice that is acceptable and pleasing to God. Your sacrifice, your generosity comes before God as an act of offering. You know, when we tell you that when we collect an offering at Grace, when we tell you this is an act of worship, we're not just making that stuff up. We're not just saying that sounds good, that preaches good. That's exactly what Paul says to the, to the Philippians in verse 18. Your generosity is a sweet aroma to God. When you act in generous ways, 
And I'm just simply saying this. When you think about who Jesus is and when you think about what he has done in your life, when you think about the generosity of Jesus dying for you on the cross, I mean, that is the most generous act in the world. And that the Father gave the Son for your account so that you could have this home in heaven, so that you could have all your sins forgiven. That, my friend, is generosity. So my response could only be one thing. My response can only be, God, I want to I be, be on mission with you, and I want to become the most generous person that my kids have ever seen. I want to be the most generous person that I know, and that should be the goal of every believer. And again, you're, I, I know you might be thinking, but I, I don't have the money to be generous. I'm just simply saying, you don't get it yet then. Generosity isn't about what you have or don't have. Generosity is about your heart. It is good to have money and the things that money can buy. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that what God is calling you to do is go and sell everything you have. I'm not suggesting that. It's good to have money and the things that money can buy. But it is more important that you, that you don't lose the things that money cannot buy. Now let me just say that to you again because it is so good. It is more important that you have not lost the things that money cannot buy. What are the things that money cannot buy? Money cannot buy security. Money cannot buy relationships. Money can't buy partnerships. Money can't buy worship. All those things are things that come from the hand of God. So I want to end our time together with a story from a book that I read a while back. It's called uh, Run with the Horses. It's written by Eugene Peterson, and he writes about this story of him going. He went to the lake one day, and he was watching this family of birds. They were nested in a tree, and the branches of the tree overhung onto the lake so that the birds, when they were out on the edge of the limb, they would look down and they would see water. So Eugene Peterson was watching these birds one day, and it looked like the dad bird, the bigger bird, he walked out to the edge of the limb where his baby birds were, and one by one, he started pushing them off of the edge of the limb down into the water. And one by one, they fell, and they were in free fall for, you know, a, a few feet. And all of a sudden, they would just start flapping their wings, and, and they, would, they would fly. They'd fly away. They'd, none of them hit the water. And so he came to the last bird, and the last bird, he was the most stubborn of all. Probably kind of like, well, you and me. And so this bird hung on, dad nudged him, and he kind of just held on with his claws and flipped around, and, and eventually he fell off and eventually started almost hit the water, and he started flapping his wings, and he too flew away. Now think about that story, and think about you and, you, you and me for just a minute, and uh, ask the question, so why, why would this dad be so mean as to push his babies off the edge. Why would he do that? And the answer to that question is simply this. Even though birds have feet, they're not designed by God to walk. They're designed by God to soar. They're designed by God to fly. They were created by the Creator with a characteristic action of flying. And not until they fly will they ever be at their best. They cannot be at their best while they're walking on the ground. When they start flying is when they're at their best. So here's what I want to say to you. We're like those baby birds. 
and we're not at our best until we're flying, and we're not flying until we're living in generosity. Generosity is the characteristic action that God wants His people to have. So He comes along and He nudges us and He pushes us a little bit, and I'm just simply saying, when that happens, let it happen. Some of you are saying, wait a second here. Uh, I don't think, I, you know, we, we desperately try to hold on to what we have, thinking somehow we can't let go of it. But I'm just simply saying, when you let go of it is when the treasures of heaven open up and you begin to have God supply all of your needs. It's such a beautiful thing. And the sooner we start, the better. For us to, ha- for us to, to live in how God has designed us to be, it should start today. For some of you, you need to make a decision today. The generosity is going to be something that you cultivate in your spirit, that you're going to begin looking for, looking for opportunities to be the most generous person that you know. And I'm just simply saying, if you don't, you can walk. God is a gentleman. You can walk around all you want like, like those baby birds could. But until you fly, until you soar with generosity, you will never, ever be what God has intended you to be the most generous person on the planet. Grace Church exists to help people move towards Jesus and to each other. And if that's what you want, if you want to move closer to Jesus and to each other, then I'm just going to say you can get there. We can help you get there. And you get there by generosity in your life. Let's pray together. Father, thank you, thank you, thank you for the opportunity we've had today to serve you and love you and... and. Uh, And Lord God, I pray for everyone listening and hearing my voice. I pray, God, that they would recognize that this isn't about what we have or don't have. This is about a characteristic of our heart. God, drill that into our soul. The generosity is our characteristic action. And God, we'll thank you for that and praise you for that. And we just want to give you thanks in Jesus' holy and powerful and awesome name. Amen.